Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Millennial God Podcast, where we help Christians navigate life, culture, and politics uh, in America today. Uh, we're very blessed. We've got Damian Girk on the show with us today. Uh, he wrote a book about uh, house churches in America, and I'm super excited to have him on. Da- Damian, welcome to Millennial God. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. Yeah, man. Um, hey, let's just start off with your testimony, brother. Let's, uh, you know, how did you meet Christ and, and tell us how you got started here? Sure. Um, so I grew up in a Catholic home. So really had a, uh, a, a uh, I mean this respectfully, a fearful orientation to God. Yeah. Uh, really high respect for God, but no awareness of him in any kind of personal way or anything like that was always something to kind of be afraid of. Um, um, in my mid twenties, I had gotten out of college was in the aerospace, um, industry as a design engineer working on the B2, uh, stealth bomber. So it was a really, I had gotten my car, I'd gotten my dream job and, and was just at a point where I was asking like, is this all there is? Um, and so it was really lonely and disoriented at the time. Um, maybe looking back on it now, you might call it a quarter life crisis. I don't know. But um, a friend of mine encouraged me to read the Bible. And I'd never read the Bible before. Yeah. So literally with this orientation of I've been trying to be good all my life. And really, if I'm quiet, if I look at myself in the mirror, honestly, I like I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not cutting it, you know? So what's going on with that? Yeah. Um, So I I open up the Bible, start flipping around and uh, lo and behold, I stumble across Galatians 2.21. It says, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Well, I had great respect for Christ. You know, I (laughs) believed that. And then suddenly realized like, if, if I could be whole and complete, by doing good and being good, then Jesus didn't, you know, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. So, yeah. so why did he die? Yep. And I, um, at that moment, my, I didn't understand it, but I knew that I'd never be the same again. Yeah. And my life went from black and white to color and, you know, 3d and all that yeah. 4d, whatever, 4k. Um, so just got into a church um, that taught the Bible began being discipled and really felt um called to ministry so left engineering um went to seminary got married had three kids graduated seminary and then went um into pastoral ministry did that for 15 years and about the last five years of that had been through a number of different ministry situations new churches old churches um startups revitalizations and sort of had done kind of the, I had all the merit badges, you know, and um, I just began to realize as, as I stepped back and looked at it, that, that I just saw the same issues over and over and over again. And, um, and this is no disrespect. Like you're going to hear me say some things about church. I have great risk. I, I tell people all the time. I, I, I gave most of my, the best years of my life and my life savings um, three times over uh, for the sake of the local church. So love the local church. And, yeah. and it was, if anything, it was from that position of appreciation for the church yeah. that I just, I began looking at it and saying, this is just not working. Yeah. 
like we're seeing the same issues over and over again. And it's not for lack of effort or resources or anything. It's faithful people, dear people, and, and seeing some lives change, some good things happening, but over and over and over again, and sort of my engineering background, I'm looking at the amount of resources we're pouring in to church yeah, and not just money, time, effort, you know, service, all that. And looking at what's, you know, the ROI, so to speak of that, yeah, and just yeah. like Where's something's missing, like we're, we're slipping a gear here or something. Yeah. Um, and so sort of the last straw of that was um, toward the end of that, I, I felt like the Lord was really, I was kind of in a season where I was looking at spiritual formation perspective, like really becoming like Jesus, um, deepening my, my walk and feeling yeah that was the issue like we just needed to again say this all with with all good intent and and every you know all respect yeah like we just needed to try harder at being better christians you know being being more like jesus um before we get into sorry to catch yeah go ahead before we get into the book yeah i think that's um you know we've seen the same problems for sure is that um i think that the way that churches are set up a lot of times is that the congregation relies on the pastor for uh, essentially everything for teaching, for, uh, you know, resourcing, for evangelism, for, for everything rather than, you know, the church actively participating and sharing the gospel. Um, And like you said, like we're, you know, I'm not here to criticize the church. What I'm here is because, you know, we do this podcast, we, we do our ministry because we love the church so much and we just want it to, fulfill God's intent, you know, and I think that's, that's an important point to make sometimes is I'm sure people can look at me and think that I'm always criticizing the church and it's really not criticizing. I'm I'm trying to refine it to, you know, fulfill God's intent for it. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the problems with the way that the structures uh, that you've seen uh, in maybe a conventional church and uh, how those led to uh, issues where you weren't seeing fruit. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly the setup for the book. So at that point, um, I decided me and two other guys to start a church with that intent, like not focus on the, um, what I would call maybe the program or the, the, the externals, like really focus on deepening people. And that was a great idea. And then as soon as we started, there was this inertia of, to move toward, Hey, we need to, we need to be doing something on Sunday morning. We need to have yeah. something we can call people to. Yeah. And I just, I kind of went, well, I can't do that. <laughs> yep. I, I'm not there. I can't yeah. tell you where I'm at, but I can tell you I'm not there. Yeah. Um, so that set us on a long journey that eventually um, culminated in um, what we understand now is a disciple making movement approach. DMM is what it's um, most often called. It really, and the whole point of it is really focusing on um, making disciples that make disciples. And yeah. let me define what that mean, what I mean, because yeah, disciple do, is yeah. very common Christian term, but um, people think of it in m- many different ways. Sure. From the scriptures, I see it as a disciple is a learner. It just means someone who identifies with a with a rabbi in a, in you know new testament setting yeah. identifies with a, a teacher and becomes a pupil or a a follower of that teacher and they adopt their their teacher's mindset approach 
sort of worldview, all the things yeah. that go along with that yep. lifestyle and habits. And, and they basically in, embody <laughs> the teaching of their, their teacher. Yep. And so that's what Jesus called his followers as their disciples. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, once he dies and is resurrected and, and we all know this is the great commission, yep. um, or actually great commissions, because every gospel has a, a different, um, version of them. Sure. Um, so there, the point there being Jesus didn't just say once, Hey, I want you to go and make disciples, you know, Matthew 28 is the, the great commission is we, we almost always quote that, but in so yeah. many different ways, Jesus said, you go and do what I've done. Yep. Do my approach. Well, 100%. looking back on that, um, that really is the game changer. Yeah. Because um, Jesus, in so many different ways, this this start like the 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 layers on the onion just start flying off here as you as you start digging into it. Yeah. And if that's true, then what else is true? And then if that's true, then what else is true? So so at its core, Jesus gave his followers a relational identity, not an organizational identity. Yeah. And um, you know the 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 Matthew's great commission we all, we all know it. You know, if you're, if you're, if you've been in church, you, you know, it, you can probably quote it. Um, yeah. but it's, real quick, funny stat on that. Actually, I saw a statistic that less than 50% of church attending Christians have ever heard, even heard of the great commission, let mm. alone could quote it. Uh, yeah. so maybe it's actually hanging on me, uh, behind the wall here or on the wall here. <laughs> uh, but if you don't mind, could you read it for our audience just so, uh, everybody's familiar? Yeah. Um, so it's, in the English translations, it's um, all all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and I'll be with you until the end of the age. So with that, there's several very critical points. One is He's received all authority in heaven and on earth. There's, so there's no other name greater than Jesus, right? Nobody has more power, no more prestige, more authority, any of that. Yeah. And he's giving it to us. Yep. So key, key point, um, go is, is actually in the, in the Greek as a participle. It's, it's, it could be maybe better translated as you are going. So it assumes you're going. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a worldview, there's an orientation, there's a mindset of don't come, go. Yeah. Be be active, go go out. You are on mission now. So there's a missional aspect to it. Yeah. Um, uh, all nations. So from in a Jewish you know context, this was radical. Mm -hmm. uh, you mean as Jews, we're supposed to go like to the Samaritans yeah. and to Gentiles for crying yeah. out loud? Yeah. Um, when they're supposed to come to Jerusalem, right? Yeah. So just in that, in the context of uh, in the historical social context, what Jesus said is, is radical beyond yeah. belief. Um, and then the, the last part is, I, I mean, obviously the baptizing them, but then teaching them to obey. Yeah. So the, the word for obey is, um, it's translated a bunch of different ways in English, uh, keep, um hold on to you yeah. know there's a there's a there's several different um main emphases of it but it's 
teaching people to do and and live and basically be a disciple, be a yep. learner yep. of Jesus, Jesus's teachings yeah. in everything that they do. Um, and then Jesus is going to be with us for till the end of the age, yeah. right? So it wasn't just to the 12, it was to Everybody. everyone that, you know, that would, that would call upon Jesus as Lord. Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, if you just, if you recognize that and those who do that are the church. So the church is those people who now have a relational identity associated co-heirs with Christ um, and, and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. Yeah. Right. So that's who we are. That's our identity. Yep. Now, based on that identity, you, we now have Jesus's authority to go. So those those things right there answered all of the questions that i had and it this was about this sounds you know i did that in maybe three or four or five minutes yeah but that was five or six years, years. of searching yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um it's kind of sad that you know i'm i missed it but i think so many people in in north america in particular but even in in the west it's not just an american thing yeah um, just miss that simple truth. And, and just as a part of the heritage that we receive, when we think about faith or, or Jesus or God yeah. in, a, in a Christian sense, we think about church. Yeah. Well, well, church as we know it in, in America, in the West, in, in North America, in the West, yeah. is, is basically what we inherited from the Protestant Reformation, which was a kind of a, a redo yeah. 2.0 yeah. of um roman catholicism yeah. yeah from the middle ages um so a lot of the of the soteriology you know a lot of, of sorry to drop a big theological <laughs> word on your audience yeah, here but right. a lot of the the theology was updated and revised in in the reformation but a lot of the ecclesiology wasn't most yeah. of the forms um, that we saw in the Catholic Church are still they st they have a remnant even in church you know as we know it yeah uh, today yeah and it just if if you compare what Jesus commissioned in the first century to what we have now it's radically different yeah yep um, so so that's really the point if you if you think about church from the perspective of it's the people related to Jesus by faith and related to to god the father in in terms of sons and daughters yeah and we have his authority ephesians 1 says we are the body of christ that fills everything in every way yep. so we essentially are in the hands and feet of jesus yeah right that every and this is every believer this is not just people that have gone to seminary or, or yeah, whatever pastors right yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not the professional christians it's yeah. it's like Everybody. true for everyone yeah um so i'll I, that's a lot i'll stop there and let yeah, you yeah. kind of i've got <laughs> so apart. many points uh you know and, and you know you're hitting on all the points that that i've tried to belabor uh you know to, to a lot of different audiences uh, before but i want to pick in or zero in on uh one thing that you said and okay kind of earlier on and that's that uh you know using jesus jesus's example kind of uh like he had 12 disciples yes sure he he went out and spoke to masses at times he went to synagogues at times uh but he had a very close-knit 
uh, group of people that he was, you know, his disciples, just like you mentioned. Um, and then not only that, but then, you know, how did his disciples then, uh, you know, share the gospel in the New Testament? Well, it says, I mean, countless times in the New Testament, especially in Acts, uh, that they were going house to house, uh, that they were meeting these small groups, that they were breaking bread with one another, that they were devoting themselves daily to the teachings, to prayer, to things like right. that. In um, just like you're hitting on, uh, you know, a lot of modern church is built on man-made con constructs, things that uh, we've designed and we've created and we've said, this is what we want to do uh, because of our current environment. We can do it. We can make it easier sure. for people to come to a big building. We can make, uh, we can hold people less accountable. We can uh, not necessarily, you know, expect as much from people because we live in an environment where maybe we're not persecuted. Maybe, uh, you know, that's just kind of how we, you know, we don't want to be harsh or we don't want to be hard uh, or expect too much of people and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas, the truth is that if we read in the Bible, what was the example that Jesus set? What was the example that his disciples set? Um, and it looks, just like you said, drastically different uh, from the church that we're, yeah. we're currently living in for most people. Um, can you talk a little bit about how then uh, your experience uh, in the church, leaving the church, and then you know starting uh, these, these home churches, how did that shape you into writing a book about it? Yeah, so eventually we we sort of hacked away at this. We we were mentored by a retired missionary from Guatemala, a named, guy named George Patterson, yep. um, who put up with us and and like I'm sure just shook his head and boy, these people when will they get it? Um, and then eventually um, got connected to a guy named uh, Curtis Sargent who connected us with a guy in Tampa. Who, I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, by the way. Yeah. Um, um, so in Tampa, which is another city in, in the Tampa Bay region, a guy by the name of Lee Wood. And he had started about a year and a half earlier, he had started One Body Ministries um, focused on these very basic, and we, we call it simple church, yep. uh, these very basic approaches of making disciples relationally and then gathering together. Yeah. Um, most commonly, not exclusively, but most commonly in uh, in homes or in sure. in small groups. Yeah. Really, wherever people congregate, we 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 call them home churches. But it's home is like that. It's our community, not because yeah. that's the building that we meet in, right? Yeah, yeah. We classically um, mean say home churches because that's where a lot of people meet. But really, what we're we're talking about is uh, the church is meeting literally anywhere, not necessarily in a designated correct. building on Sundays. Yeah. Correct. And that really is an aspect of the go. Like we've, yeah. we've got groups in our um, churches, groups in our um, network uh, that meet anywhere in parks, yep. literally under trees, on front porches, on back porches, yeah. in coffee houses, in businesses, like yeah. everywhere. Yep. Um, it's where the relationships are. That's where the church is Yep, in that sense. Um, so, so the, the outflow of that is authorizing equipping training people to be disciples and to be disciple makers yeah so it's key is it's it's not a program it's not it's not something that people come to and get taught by someone who is an as an expert or authorized yeah. the, the 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 challenge it's both a challenge and an opportunity is to equip people as quickly as possible to go out and begin discipling yeah so so there's a couple of things in there that are key. One is you don't need to know, you don't need to go to seminary before you're equipped. Yeah. 
um, whatever, whatever you have learned, you are now authorized and, and given responsibility to go try teach someone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even if that's like, man, I'm just, I just learned about God and he answered this prayer and this is all I know, but I'm really excited, you know, yeah. come with me and see, yeah. um, the, the biblical example I like to use with that is John four and the woman at the well, here's, here's a woman of questionable, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> integrity and sure. reputation, yeah. uh, meets Jesus one-on-one -on -one, realizes he's, she, he's the Messiah. She yeah. leaves her water jug and runs off and tells the whole tells town. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And they all come and meet Jesus yeah. because of it and believe in him, you know, and, and she didn't know much. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't know much of the Bible. Right. So yeah. it's just, and, and we've seen this pattern in other countries, other, other um, areas of the world, it, it moves very fast. Yeah. Um, in the West, I think we're seeing a little bit more hesitancy. I think it's just the, the legacy of the prevailing model of church that exists, sure, yeah. you know, I think people sure. are a little tentative or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's the idea is it's equipping people to go out and, and make disciples and equip them to make disciples. So you get a, a multiplication effect that um, begins and, and then continues uh, relatively uh, rapidly. Yeah. What um, I guess I've got two questions. First mm -hmm. one is, you know, obviously, uh, anybody can be a disciple, and and quite frankly, anybody can be a disciple maker. Um, how do you identify leaders, maybe within a group, to uh, help to develop some of those disciple makers? Um, you know, what are some key characteristics that you look for in leaders uh, in that area? Yeah, great question, and this could be a podcast episode in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So I'll hit on a couple of things that are literally just going to be a thirty thousand foot um, flyover. Sure. Um, one thing is something that is we. This is the way we have um, come to focus on it is is faithfulness and obedience is yeah. the first thing, and this is true for whether you're a leader or not. It's yeah. The, the whole, everything I just described flows out of the willingness to hear God and obey and, and put that into action. Yeah. Um, so, so we call that, we, we, that's part of how we define a disciple in our training is one who hears, obeys and shares. Yeah. So, so that here is the concept of um, a, a soft heart, so to speak, a willingness to submit mm -hmm. a belief that God is speaking and will speak through his word, through other people, through circumstances, yeah. sometimes miraculously um, in ways that, you know, you, we can't anticipate. Yeah. Um, and, and, but the idea is just a, an openness to that and a receptivity to whatever God is saying. And yeah. then from that, there is uh, almost always not every time, but all, very frequently there's an application. So God gives us in revelation or insight or frankly, a command yeah. um, that we are, he expects us to go put into practice. Yep. And then with that is the, is the sharing piece. So that's telling other people about it. Uh, oftentimes, whatever we put into practice involves other people. So whether that's telling those people <laughs> Or, or just telling, you know, people that we happen to be associated with, it's just yeah. sharing what God is saying to you. Yeah. And so that, so that you're passing that on. Yeah. So, um, 
So the, the key there is that's, that's what we look for. If, if people don't have that, then they'll never be a leader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, you're looking for fat people, faithful, available, and teachable that, that sort of that, that's an old, like, I just probably gave away my age there by saying that, but <laughs> yeah. uh, now, now I got to come up with a P H A T. That's like right. To, yeah. I, to make that really relevant. But anyway, the point is that sense of being consistency with that heart of wanting to grow in Christ and become more like him. Yeah. Um, so once that's there, then um, we, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term apest or if you're, if your you know, listeners have heard of that term, yeah, probably but apest is um, a reference to, uh, it's a reference from Ephesians chapter four, where Paul is saying that Christ um, gifts gives equipping gifts to uh, people mm -hmm. for in, to for the purpose of equipping the 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 church and building yeah. everyone up to maturity. Yeah. So APES is stands for apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, and teachers. Mm -hmm. So the the again thirty thousand foot flyover is yeah. we're all. Uh, some mix of those five gifts sure yeah um so whatever whatever your gift is we we want to see or ideally um from that passage the the point is that god has given you that gift for the purpose of equipping other people yeah. well that's a leadership function sure. um and so we want to see a community of of leaders so we don't we we don't want to see uh uh, all leaders be apostles or all yeah. leaders just be teachers or yeah. all leaders just be prophets yeah. because, because that's not healthy. Um, in fact, just as a point of reference, um, it's pretty widely recognized that church as we know it, part of the, the issue with church is that it's predominantly led by shepherds and teachers. Yeah. Yep. So if you, if <laughs> And again, no disrespect with this. In fact, teaching is what I would say is my number one gift. Yeah. But if if the church is all teachers, then what that means is there, it's going to no have very high. What's that? There's no evangelizing. There's, there's no, no evangelism. There's no yeah. going yep. because that's what apostles do. They go. Yeah. They're the entrepreneurs. Yep. So uh, everything is going to look the same. It's very high standards, very ri um, rigid in the sense of, no, it has to be this way because yeah. if it's not this way, it's wrong. Yep. Um, and again, I say that as a teacher, <laughs> that's my yeah. kind of orientation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's just not going to be healthy in yeah. the sense of being able and equipped to build up the body of Christ to accomplish the Great Commission, yeah. which I think is is one of the challenges that we face um, in the church in the West. So back to your question of how do we equip leaders is yeah. we try to recognize them as their gift, and often that gift will be apparent, yeah, uh, maybe in a small form, but it will be apparent even before they come to faith. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm so we we try to. Uh, recognize and and help them understand their gift and and then recognize how to use it and then it's just watching them over time yeah. you just see leaders they they become effective at what they do they become effective in equipping other people yeah and and it's it's sort of like timothy uh, and paul and timothy in the in the new testament you see paul affirming timothy's gifts yeah 
And even though he's young, his gifts and the way he used his gifts and his faithfulness is what authorized him as, as a leader in the church. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I guess, how, you know, if you're somebody who does attend just a normal church and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're used to, you know, I'm sure plenty of my audiences is used to going to church on Sunday, sitting in, you know, a chair, going through worship, going through, you know, listening to a sermon uh, and then walking out the building. Um, but, you know, kind of something I keep bringing up is at least how I felt. And I think how probably a lot of Christians feel is they're looking around right now and they're saying, is, is this really like, is this really all that God has called Christians to be is like a couple hours on Sunday? Like, is it, is this really, is that really it? Um, you know, if they're, if they're that person questioning um, and they're curious, you know, how do I become, you know, they're listening to you and uh, they're thinking, how do I become a disciple maker? Like he's talking about, how do I become the person who goes out and makes disciples and makes mm-hmm. disciple makers? Um, you know, what's your rec- recommendation to go from sitting in a seat on Sunday to, you know, on fire out making disciple makers um, out in their communities? How, how do they go from, from one to the other? Yeah, great question. Um, the, the, well, sev- several things I would recommend is, is first just to answer that question. No, yeah. um, that's not all you were made for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so don't, you know, don't let, don't let Satan and enemy, whatever, um, convince you otherwise. Sure. Um, and then secondly, begin praying about it and, and recognize again, that if God has made us as disciples, um, and disciple makers, uh, that he intends for us to go. So where do we go to? Um, who, who do I know? And it's, it it might be somebody in the church. I would venture to say it's probably going to be somebody you you need to strongly consider that it's probably going to be somebody out of the church. That's not currently in church. Um, There, there are people that are searching for God and desperately waiting for him to show up. Well, we are, (laughs) that's our opportunity. Um, So I would encourage you to think about sometimes the people that it's my experience that often the people who are most looking for God are not the ones that I would think of. Yeah. Um, and I think back to even my story, if, if you'd have told me a month before I discovered, you know, Jesus revealed himself to me, I would have, I, I probably would have cursed at you, you yeah. know, like, yeah. <laughs> don't tell me about, you know, don't tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what I would say. That's an interesting question, yeah. but, but um, it's not our job to, to figure it out ourselves. God is working already at work. He's already speaking to those people. So yeah. our job, so to speak, is to find those people and God will lead us to them. Um, if we'll, if we'll listen. Yeah. So that, that could be Another factor is um, a lot of times it's people that have really gotten to the end of themselves. So um, they may not be wealthy. They may be um, on the street. They might be homeless. They might be um, coming out of jail. They might be um, at the bottom of, you know, the bottom of the pit in in terms of addiction to something, pornography, drugs, alcohol. Um, and, and they're just like, they're, they're at the end of themselves. Yep. Right. 
can I stop you right there? I just want to make a quick point. Sure. Uh, sorry. Um, you know, one, I, I think that's incredibly perfect point because, you know, Jesus talks about how he came for the sick, not for the healthy. Um, and nope. I think this is a, a huge problem with modern Christianity a lot of times, especially in America, is that we surround ourselves and we spend a lot of our time with people who look like us, think like us, talk like us. Uh, and so if you go to, you know, I've been to churches all over the country. If you go to an average, you know, a church on Sunday, it's probably majority white or majority black or majority Hispanic. Like it's all, everybody yep. looks the same. Uh, they generally come from, you know, the local community where that church is. So they generally are the same, uh, you know, relative income level. Um, but I think this is a crucial point uh, that you're probably going to get to of we have to be willing to go to places, go, there's that word again, go to yeah. places where people don't look like us. Uh, you know, for anybody who, who listens to our podcast here regularly or uh, follows us on Instagram, you know, they'll know that we go down to Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics. We uh, go down to homeless shelters and we meet with, uh, you know, folks on the street and we, uh, you know, meet with people who are addicts and things like that because Jesus said he came for the sick, not for the healthy. Uh, and just like you're saying, like, it, if we're looking for somebody who is looking for Jesus, uh, a lot of times it's probably not that middle-class person who feels like they've got it all together, who thinks that they're, you know, they, they can call the shots in their own life. It's somebody who is struggling to get back on their feet and they're wondering, where's the help? You know, where, where's God when I need him? Um, right. And then that's where you can insert yourself because that's what God yeah. calls us to do. He calls us to be, uh, to go work on his behalf. Sorry, I just want to make that quick point. No, it's, you're, you're right on target, man. Like even, even in my story, I was at the height of my rebellion yeah. when I, when I caved and, and, you know, surrendered to Jesus. Right. Yeah. So, so it may be somebody that we're not comfortable talking with. Yeah. Um, it may be, like you said, somebody that doesn't, doesn't look like us. A part of, and this is part of the heritage, unfortunate heritage that of the church that we've received yeah. is if I, if I can say it this way, after the, after the reformation, you started to get like a hundred, 150 year varies, but maybe even 200 year um, period where, where you get all these denominations, right? So if you think of the, the Reformation Church was born out of the spirit of rebellion. Yeah. And, and I say that in every, you know, new, in a neutral sense, like we're, yeah. we're rebelling against the authority of, a, of what was really at the time a corrupt Catholic yeah. Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Well, in the sense of kind of the Renaissance mindset, you know, like, hey, yeah, this is the right thing. Well, then you started getting all the reformers disagreeing with one another. So they yeah. splintered off into all these different denominations. Yeah. I say in my book, we've got 300 denominations in the United States alone. Yeah. Over, over 300 denominations. Like, think about that. Do we, like, I get like that unity? there's theological differences and doctrinal differences and we interpret, you know, passages yeah. differently, but 300 plus denominations. Yeah. And so it became just part of our, the practice of our faith that if we didn't agree, we separate. Yeah. Well, that also has huge social implications too. So blacks and whites don't typically congregate together. We see Asian churches yeah. that, you know, are predominantly Asian. And yeah. some of that is, you know, 
the flow of relationships and just the networks and the, you know, the family and cultural community, subcultural community they're part of. Sure. So it's not all, you know, I'm not saying that's all bad, Yeah, yeah. but, but all, when you, when you look at the whole aspect of that and look at John 17, where Jesus prays that we might all be one in the same way that, that he and the father were one. Yeah. Okay. Do you see that in the church in North America? Yeah. No. Isn't that terrifying? It is. Yeah. We've done um, quite a bit of work um, in a community. It's 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 very diverse, actually. There's there's over 21 separate nations yeah. that are in a, an area in Tampa. It's called the University Mall area. They called it Suitcase City. The locals call it Suitcase City because yeah. um, all the refugees kind of get dumped there. <laughs> so different languages, very, very rough you know, neighborhoods and, and drugs and yeah, all that, all the stuff. Um, lots of, and unfortunately, African-Americans there. So I've learned so much about um, the, the biases that I have as a, as a white person sure. <laughs> talking to black, you know, people, and these are black, they're fellow Christians. Yeah. But it took two years, two and three years to earn the trust yeah. for them to open up and say, you know, when churches come in, they're, they're typically, you know, oftentimes they're white churches, predominantly yeah. white. And they come in, they say, I had a brother say this, Andre. Um, he said, churches would come in and say, we just want to pray for you. Yeah. As black people, as a black person, he says, when they say that, that means we're the prey. Yeah. Like, that that's just a that's like a a a shot you know a knife to the gut and sure. turn it yeah and and i i have to stop and think how how does the way that i talk and the way that i think yeah. to a black person how have i carried and and communicated even unintentionally right i, I don't mean any harm for it but when i say to a black person you need to do blank mm -hmm. How does a black person interpret that? Yeah. Right. Sure. With the, with the racial history that we have. Yeah. So I don't mean it that way, but, but my whole point with all this is if I don't walk with my brother, I never experience that. I never understand. I never have yeah. that concept yep. and I have to, I have to earn his trust. Yeah. And I don't say you need to yeah. any, any, I mean, almost like I, that's, that's a word when I'm speaking to, other not just blacks just just a mixed racial ethnic group yeah. i i i've i've cut that terminology out out of my you know more, my language i don't say that anymore because yeah. i don't want to be perceived as i'm superior and i'm calling the shots and i've made it and you haven't yeah. and so you need to no man that's not appropriate that's yeah. not love yeah right yeah um Sorry, man, you got me started. Oh, no, no, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. That's what we're here for. Um, tell me, what do you think the kind of the future of church looks like? Um, you know, as we Ooh. look at the stats, there's less people going to church uh, than, you know, there has been in our past. But uh, I heard a stat recently that was um, among people who, students who are currently in high school uh, who go to church, who go to youth groups, that kind of thing. Uh, something around like 80% are willing to share their faith with somebody. Whereas if you poll, you know, millennials like myself or older generations, 
a lot of those numbers start to drop pretty significantly. Uh, in yeah. fact, a lot of stats will tell you that less than 1% of Christians who attend church will share their faith with anybody. Um, what do you think the, the future of the church looks like, you know, whether that yeah. be with younger generations or just, uh, you know, the structure of church itself? Great question. Um, I have a lot of those. The first chapter in my book is, is I titled it, is it working? Yeah. <laughs> and I have a lot of those stats, um, to, to back up what you're saying. Yeah. I think, um, I, I don't mean to be like chicken little here, but, um, I think we're seeing a sea change, yeah. uh, in churches. We know it, yeah. um, in our, in our, in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, the stats you were referring to, a lot of them point to around 2008, 2009, yeah. you started to see this really, really sharp decline. Um, I think that's the, the landslide, if you will, um, pointing to erosion that happened, has happened a lot, a, you know, a lot longer back. Yeah. yeah. So it, it wasn't something that happened in 2008, 2009. It's probably something that happened about 30 or 40 years before. Yeah. Uh, and we're just seeing the after effects of it. Yep. Um, I talked to a lot of millennials who um, are, uh, I think the first generation, I, I would say um, the first generation in, in, in America, at least that is looking at the church as an organization and saying, I don't think so. Yeah. Like I just, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't sync with my my worldview yeah <clears throat> um don't like the language i don't like the approach i don't feel like an individual yeah. i don't feel valued as an individual yep. i feel like you're trying to recruit me for like a, a political party or something you know yeah. or a, a i don't know some kind of other entity <laughs> like yeah. bingo club or something you know <laughs> yeah. um and and I just, I don't get it. I think that's, they're the, they're the first generation that's going mm, pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Like I'm all about God. I'm really curious about God. Right. Um, but I, just, I don't, I don't get the organizational form of it, yeah. I guess is, yeah. is the way I'm seeing it. Um, and, and they, that's the approach they, they take toward everything. I yeah. think, right. It's, they take the same approach toward employment or career. Yep. Right. It's just it's just their worldview. So I think it's partly exposing what's been there for a long time. Yeah. I think with COVID, we've seen so much. Oh, we've seen an overdependence on programming mm. and just the mindset of, hey, we just need to get everybody in a room and have somebody that frankly is. I know, again, don't mean this disrespectfully, but yeah. is sort of a celebrity, yep. um, really good communicator um is wearing kind of the hip you know yeah. outfit yeah. and that like that's never mind i won't stop i won't go down that road <laughs> but, yeah no, but and and you know let's let's make our worship time cool and we'll do the smoke machines and yeah. uh, the lighting effects which i i love all that you know i was yeah. doing that i was in a, a thing this morning actually yeah. that, that worship time at a kind of a, a conference thing that that had some of that and it's cool yeah. But but like it's it's become like the intentional way of church. So if you yeah. like you don't have a smoke machine, like, man, what's going on? Your worship is dry. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a just to caveat that. That's a point that I've been talking about a lot is that 
if the gospel isn't enough for you, if you, if, if people yeah. in your church, if you're a pastor and people in your church need uh, smoke machines and they need, you know, a, a brilliant speaker and they need a worship band who can just rock the house and they need, you know, donuts and coffee provided, and, you know, if they need all these things, uh, then they're not there for the gospel. They're there <laughs> for a show, you know, uh, and that's, that's a pretty serious problem in your church. Um, well, it is, it, it's, again, I love it. Right. Yeah. I, I love listening to, a, you know, somebody who's really good teacher, high sure. motivational, you know, inspiring, yeah. compelling, all that. And the, and the worship is a wonderful experience. But but if you do it over and over and over again, it reinforces what is not true about yeah. the body of Christ. Yeah. It does. It's not it's not incentivizing and reinforcing the fact that every single believer is called to go and make another disciple. Yeah. And so that's just my biggest question is why are we, um, why are we restricting ourselves to one aspect or, or one manifestation of the Christian lifestyle when it's, it's actually not the predominant one that God calls us to. Yep. Yep. And the one that's most effective, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we should, let's, let's end it on that because I want people to, uh, ponder that question, uh, for themselves. And, and as they look at their own churches, you know, ask, why are they limiting themselves? Why is, why is the church limiting itself? Why are they limiting themselves? Um, for anybody who's interested in learning more about this, where can they, uh, get your book? Where is it available? Yeah, it's available, um, pretty much anywhere. Um, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, it's, it's available as a ebook, as an audio book. Um, the title is in the way. And then the subtitle is church as we know, it can be a discipleship movement. Again, um, it's, it's really focused primarily. It's a book written for pastors and church leaders, but, but in terms of anyone who's thinking about being a disciple and just, if they have a, I hate to say, like, if you're dissatisfied with church, then read this book. Yeah. But if if you if you have a sense that church is supposed to be more or could be more, then this will this will expose a lot of um, of of why that's the case and what the alternative is. It, it, and to go back and answer your question, if if anybody's sitting in a, in a pew just wondering, is you know, is there anything more? Is God calling me more? Yeah. There's lots of resources out there uh, on how to begin making a disciple. It's really a simple process. Um, and, and, you know, if somebody wants to get more resources, they can, they can look us up. Uh, our, our website is onebody.church, the number one body.church. Um, I would also encourage going to, um, um, gosh, I just blanked out on the website. <laughs> so, um, uh, I can't believe this. So, so there's a really a coalition of churches and and what we would call disciple making practitioners all over the world, frankly, uh, but in North America. And we've put together a, a documentary that you can watch. It's a 92 minute documentary. Um, it's um, the website is loveoneanother.life. You can watch the documentary there. There's lots of ways that you can get connected and just uh, resources that are available there, wherever you might be uh, in North America, you'd be able to find 
somebody. And, and my, that would be my encouragement is just go and see what they're doing yeah. and, and watch it. A lot of this is caught, not taught. Right. Um, so it's not about information. It's about just seeing it being lived out. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my encouragement. So love one another dot life. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll throw all those links inside okay. of the, uh, in the description box. Um, yeah, Damien, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, it was a blessing to have you and, uh, God bless brother. You bet, Pat. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Millennial God podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple podcasts, make sure to leave us a review. Uh, if you ever want to reach out, you can find us anywhere on social media. And you can also send us an email at millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. That's millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com.